Welcome to another episode of East Texas News Roundup. This week features East Texan Athletic hosts Brian Besh and Jason Klopik doing a special interview with Coach Raymond Woodard of Chester High School. Today's podcast is part one of a special two-part podcast, with part two airing Wednesday, February the 5th, with a roundtable discussion on UIL district realignment. Hello and welcome to another edition of the East Texan Athletic. I am Brian Besh of the Polk County Enterprise. I am joined by Jason Klopik of the Trinity County News Standard. And we are also joined today by our special guest. He is Coach Raymond Woodard of Chester High School. If you recognize his name, he's also a former Corrigan Bulldog. He is coached in several different leagues, pro leagues, college. He's doing high school now over at Chester. He's also been a NFL player and participated in a Super Bowl, which, as everyone knows, we're in that season right now. Go Chiefs! And if you hear a lot from Jason today, he's really excited and actually wearing a Chiefs jersey because he's excited that his team has finally made the Super Bowl. It's been way too long. Many years of heartache and cynicism down the drain when the Chiefs defeated the Titans and finally got the AFC championship and made it to the Super Bowl. It's a dream come true. Uh, Coach, there's obviously several topics that we want (laughs) to talk to you about. Many of them relate to this area, being from Corrigan and knowing the area like you do, but also over at Chester High School, coaching area high schools around here, went to college, played pro ball. I guess we can start being that it is a Super Bowl. We can kind of start in that pro area there. Your playing career, if you could just kind of talk about it, talk about what it's like. I mean, for anybody who's ever wondered what it's like to participate in a Super Bowl. Pro playing, just going through the, the combines and the draft is a, is an education. But I was drafted by the San Diego Chargers, and it was a team that I had not had any contact with. It came out of the blue. I'd had a lot of contact with Denver, but it didn't work out. Strange thing, I got to San Diego and was put on injury reserve the first year as a defensive lineman. Then in the next camp, there was some openings. We had some injuries. They moved me to offensive line, and I got cut, actually, as an offensive lineman. Came home and moved to Livingston, as a matter of fact, and signed free agent with Denver as an offensive lineman. Went through the entire spring and summer program with Coach Dan Reeves and Coach Gibbs and the bunch on offense and learned their offense. Went into camp, and towards the end of camp, we had some injuries on defense, and I was moved back to defense. And so then I got to learn Coach Joe Collier's and Orange Crunch defense. So I got to learn both sides of the ball at Denver, which was a really great experience for me to become a coach. I got probably more practice reps than anybody in the league that year. And then, like you said, that's the year we went to the Super Bowl. And I'll let you ask some questions about that. But that was also just an unbelievable experience. Jason's Co- dying, too. I'm going to let him. <laughs> coach, um, the game before the Super Bowl, yeah. the AFC Championship, you're trailing Cleveland, 20-13 to 13 in Cleveland. You've got the ball at the two-yard line because of a kickoff return gaffe. What was the mood like in that moment? Well, we kind of felt like going in that you know, we had a good chance to beat Cleveland, even though that was the old stadium there in Cleveland and the old dog pound and everything was a really tough place to play. 
And, and beautiful too, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lovely. <laughs> and it was a cold day too. But as the game went on, we kind of had control of the game. And then right at the end, we kind of let it get out of control. We let them tie it up. And then they scored the sloppy field. One of our defensive backs fell down. They scored a touchdown. But we still had plenty of time. We we're going to be in good shape to go tie it. And then we botched the kickoff and we have to start on the two. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Then at that point, we still had one thing they didn't have. We had Elway. And uh, that was just an unbelievable drive. And we had a lot of good things happen for us in that drive. But that kind of was the beginning of the L.A. era and mystique. What was it like practicing with a guy like John Elway? You said you had an interesting story about the guy. Oh, John, uh, first of all, I've been blessed to be around a lot of really good football players on a lot of levels. I've never seen anybody could throw the football as hard as he could throw it. I had a chance to go back later and take some guys with me to watch him practice. And I said, just get behind him and watch him throw the football. The story was uh, you don't ever hit John Elway in practice. And so we had a a deal that uh, the offensive lineman on the play was going to cut. They would say cut and they would simulate the cut, and you would stop. They were going to run a screen pass. The offensive tackler in front of me did not say that. So I came off full blast, and he went to cut me, and I went to jump over him, and he cut me, and I landed right into John and rolled him up. And we had about three seconds to save my career before (laughs) Coach Reeves got over there. I said, you got to tell him you didn't say cut, or I'm out of here. And he he came up, and I I really think, I think Reeves might have cut me that day in the tackle head. So now – it was a veteran tackle. Dave, I'm sorry, Dave stuttered. He said, uh, no, coach, I didn't tell him cut. But, uh, you know, that's just pro football. <laughs> oh, yeah. And describe what it was like <laughs> playing in a Super Bowl, like, you know, the two weeks before all the hoopla and everything. Because you got in at about a time. The Super Bowl wasn't always a Super Bowl yeah. like we think of it now. But you got in about the time where the Super Bowl was actually becoming as big of a deal as what it yeah. is now. Well, it's kind of strange that, you know, Denver had been about 10 years ago in 77, but for us, it was our first time to get to go. And you don't really talk about the Super Bowl prior to, and boy, the ball goes through the uprights in overtime in Cleveland. And we're so excited and great party on the plane home, everybody taking pictures with the trophy and everything. And then you kind of sit down and go, now, wait a minute, how many tickets do we get and, and how are we going to get our family out here and when are we going and, and what are we doing? And you end up spending an entire day going over everything you got to do just to get to the game itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was just unbelievable, just going through that and experiencing that. And back then we got 16 tickets apiece. I don't know what they got now. So we flew both our families in from here out there. It was, and it was a great experience. I wish we'd have won the game, but it was a, a great time t- to be a Denver Bronco. And Super Bowl this year, yeah. the final team you played for, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're yeah. in it. Do you have any projections per se? Well, two things. I think uh, Mr. Hunt, Lamar Hunt, started the AFL and was very instrumental in the merge. The Chiefs were very good uh, early Super Bowl years, big upset in Super Bowl four against the Vikings, and then they kind of went away. So for that reason, I'm kind of sentimental for them to win it. Also, Coach Reed, I think, does things right. I think he's going to be a Hall of Fame coach anyway, but this would be a great exclamation point on his career, uh, and I'd like to see for those two reasons, I'd like to see the Chiefs win this ball game. Coach, I kind of wanted to walk through a, a bit of your coaching career. Bye. You, I know all the stops and everything. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about all the yeah. leagues, but in particular, the stop at Lamar, you had to go to Beaumont and kind of resurrect a program that had been dormant for, what, a couple of decades, I yeah. guess. And just kind of the process of, I guess, forming a football program, getting players into your system, and then just establishing something there. 
Well, prior to that, almost every job I had taken, you'd come in with a either a blueprint or a plan on what you were doing. This was kind of doing something for the first time. And, and every day, it seemed like we were doing something for the first time. I, I remember my first day on the job, I sat in front of the athletic director's secretary's desk, and they didn't even have a place to put me at. We hadn't <laughs> built anything. We didn't have a ball. We didn't have anything. And so uh, I spent about half my time on what a football coach is spending on trying to build a team, and the other half trying to build a, a stadium and, and everything else to go with it. So it was a lot of work, a lot of job. Just kind of what goes into to constructing a team once you get there, because I know you've got a limited number of scholarships, but you've mm-hmm. got to be out just trying to bring people in and selling them on an idea of something that doesn't exist right at that yeah. moment. Well, uh, you know, I talked and we had a great trio there. Dr. Jimmy Simmons was our president and Billy Tubbs, who everybody knows, uh, was our athletic director. And we really got together on what we want to do. And the thing we want to try to do is be competitive early. And I was coming from a junior college anyway. So we decided to take a lot of junior college transfers right off the bat. I think we had sold four, maybe 500 season tickets. First game, we go over to McNeese to play McNeese. And everybody said, and I didn't pick that game. I would not have picked that game. And, and everybody said, you know, you going to get killed by I don't know whatever and we're leading in the fourth quarter we end up getting beat by three the next week the line was shot out past the road over there and we sold I don't know how many thousand season tickets so that kind of got us going it was a good strategy to get old a little earlier by going the junior college route I know there was a lot of excitement over there in Beaumont, just getting the, the program started again. Obviously, you had the stadium there and everything, and, and everything was getting constructed around it. But just bringing in players, I know you were actually at Navarro, I believe, before yes. that. Is that where you brought a lot of your players from? Uh, yeah, and because I could bring a, a few from there, I think some other players in that league came along for the ride, too. I was able to get a number of our players from there that I knew could play that were, I thought were getting overlooked a little bit. They came to Lamar and really helped get us further along than we would have been if we had tried to play with all friends freshman that first that would have been very tough what kind of was your split there did you have something in mind or were you just trying to get as many as you could on board I was just trying to get the best players we could the toughest thing was the first year we could take junior college guys in January but we were redshirting everybody that fall so they had to set out an entire year and that was tough but we did get a number of them, and we I thought we did a good job with that. It's tough uh, having a college team and not playing in the fall. That, I think that was the toughest year of the whole thing yeah. was the first year. And you guys in the first year went – I mean, it doesn't sound incredible, but for a first-year program, I think five and six is pretty incredible. Yeah, five and six beat two FCS teams that year. South Dakota came in our place. They had beaten Minnesota early in the year, and we, and we beat them. Went over to southeast Louisiana and beat them for our first win against an FCS opponent and and everybody said we was kind of crazy for playing I think we played five FCS teams that year but you know we were trying to get ready to go to FCS the next year anyway so I mean we could have padded it and had a better record but I thought we did the right thing there and I understand prior to Navarro you coached for a year at Burton High School were you the head coach there two years yes 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 Yes. Before I came to Trinity, I was the sports editor for the Brennan Banner Press. Oh, and boy. I covered Burton during their 2017 state mm-hmm. semifinal run. Um, Jason Hody is their head coach still. Was he one of your assistants? I hired Jason, who gave me his first job. The Hodies have got uh, a number of young men come through that program. His father was the ag teacher that, and, uh, and I hired him that first year that Jason was going to make a good coach. And, and he went on, and they made him the head coach there, and he's done a great job at Burton. 
And his little big brother, little I may say, is actually 10 years younger, ended mm-hmm. up playing at Rice. He's like six foot seven and 300 pounds. Yeah, when I was there, John was playing in junior high ball. He had Jason and another brother, and they would pick on him a little bit. And I told him, I said, the day's coming. Y'all you know, not going to get to that anymore. And John's went on and, like you said, really developed and played well at, at Rice and then had a good career. You made stops in the Arena League, uh, NFL Europe, and obviously the coaching career at Lamar. What made you come back home and you had to make a decision on going to Chester and starting something completely new? I'm sure you've gotten this question a lot, but just the transition from 11-man football to six-man football, because I'm guessing at least defensively, it's got to be an incredibly different game. Well, when uh, I got fired at Lamar, it was kind of a time to sit back, take stock, and see what I wanted to do next. I had enough years in the teacher retirement system to take my retirement. You said all those stops. My brother and my sister have always been home. I've always been all over the world. Yeah. We decided we had some hunting land in Corrigan. We decided we were going to clear some of it and build a house, and we were going to move to Corrigan. And if I did anything coaching from there on, it was going to be from Corrigan. I had to promise my wife that, but I had to promise my mother more than my wife on that. So we moved back. And with a TRS, if you're going to take a TRS job, you got to sit out a year. So I sat out a year. And to be honest with you, I really enjoyed my year out. So I took another year out. <laughs> and then, so I took two years out. And then my wife started getting concerned and said, you're going to die sitting around this house. I said, well, that's kind of what we built this thing for. This was retirement. This would be a lovely place to die. We got a great pond there and everything. But anyway, so I said, well, if something comes open here close to home that it, it interests me, I'll try to get back in. And it almost like the day after we had that conversation, Chester came open, and and I know a lot of the people over there. We I went to school with a lot of the kids that I'm coaching. As a matter of fact, I went to school with some of their grandparents. That's how that makes you feel good, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, and so it was a. They seemed to really want me to take the job, and I kind of wanted them. That's kind of what I needed to hear at that time. That I just wanted to to roll. I didn't really care where it was. I just wanted to roll up my sleeves and coach again. And so that's what I've done. And it's been very fun, very rewarding too, as well. Did they approach you? Uh, kind of, sort of both. Both, uh, yeah. I know a couple of people over there, and they, they called and said, would you be interested in taking this job? That's kind of how it started. And obviously, you knew that it was six-man. And mm-hmm. did that give you any kind of hesitation at all? No, because it kind of reminded me uh, when I went to NFL Europe, I'd already been a defensive coach, defensive coordinator. Uh, and I always coached the defensive line up front. My first year of three in Scotland, I inherited a defensive line coach by the name of Jim Tom Sula. He went on and was the head coach of the 49ers. But, I mean, during the draft, as we're drafting our players, our head coach says he's going to coach the defensive line, so I'm going to coach linebackers for the first time in my life. Okay. Well, then we had a run on linebackers, and our head coach decided we're going to run the 3-4. So I'm going home. I said, okay, I'm going to coach a position I've never coached before, and I'm now I'm going to coach a front I've never coached before. But I went through that, and what it did, it made me really kind of back up and become a student of the game again, and it was really kind of re-energized me and really got my juices going to learn that, and that's kind of what Six Man's done again for me. Okay. I've had, I had to go to school. I had to meet with coaches and staffs that coach it because I, did, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. I, never, I never seen a full game. Yeah. And so it's really been good for me from an education standpoint. It's kind of made me a student of the game again. I've really enjoyed it. I mean, the popularity, I know, mm-hmm. is growing like crazy because more and more people see it every year. I know this year at the state championship, I mean, it was a big deal. As This yeah. is what opens the state championship games now. And it's it's uh, something that will draw a crowd for people that aren't even associated with the high schools. It's, it's a very exciting game. It's got a few rules that are different, but not that much. And once you understand that as a fan, you can get into it. It's very high scoring, very fast paced. I, I think, you know, Billy Tubbs always said he wanted to play basketball on the football field that's kind of what it reminds me of. It's, it's kind of a almost a basketball mentality to football, just fast-paced, 
back and forth. Only difference in six-man football as opposed to basketball is you don't get a technical foul for having six on the field or on no, the court. No, exactly. <laughs> How do you go about just deciding what your coaching philosophy is going to be? Like what, what offense you're going to run, what defense you're going to run? Are you just talking to people trying to get some ideas or, or how do you go about something like that? They looked at uh, different teams, what the different philosophies, uh, their types of players, what they have. Uh, obviously, in Chester, we're not going to have as many African-American players as some other schools, so we have to be more of a power team than most schools or other schools, I should say most. But And so try to, just like I did anywhere else, try to put our offense and defense to match our talent. Yeah. And switching gears from football to realignment, which is semi-relevant mm-hmm. to football, you guys are going to stay 1A Division two for football yes. and 1A for all their sports. Would you be surprised to see yourself in a similar district to the one you're in now? Early on. I was told we wasn't going to change at all. And then here lately, I've been told Trinidad could go north and we could pick up Dimebox. So we're either going to have a one change or none. And, and like, you know, we won't know until the good old UIL tells us here in about a little over another week. Seems like the biggest pain whenever UIL comes around every two years is just non-district scheduling more yeah. than anything because you don't know how big your district is. What yeah. What is the biggest plan that you have to put in place whenever this thing comes around every two years? That's it. And, and I hope we don't go to six or seven team district because I've already scheduled six ball games but that's kind of different too we don't have six man is very uh, popular in West Texas yeah. and kind of in Central Texas not a lot of East Texas teams playing them so we got very small districts how far are you traveling for some of these things well Trinidad's up the course of Canna Oakwood's close to Buffalo and then we got us in Apple Springs uh, right outside of Lufkin's not too far. So that was our district. And how far are you going for these non-district games? Well, as far as we need to, uh, we, Houston, we're going to play a team South Cameron below Lake Charles this year and go wherever we can. It's tough to find games. Yeah. So they're doing six-man football in Louisiana now? This is going to be the first one. And he called me and, and we're going to play South Cameron. How many schools are picking it up over there? I don't know. I know he is. That's all I know about it over there. <laughs> wow. So he may end up um, winning a state championship just playing yeah. Texas schools. <laughs> That's yeah. not bad. Well, Coach, I know we wanted to get as much as we could just out, mm-hmm. out of all this, but why was it important for you to move back into the area here in Polk County? I know there's a family pool here, but was there a pool just to the community itself here? Both. I don't know. I just always saw myself at the end of my career coming home. I always had that in my mind to do. And the, the timing after Lamar it just seemed like it was the right time to do it. Yeah. Well, um, on Sunday, we lost one of the greatest players in NBA history, Kobe Bryant. Him, his daughter, and a few friends were killed in a helicopter crash. Do either of you have any memories of watching Kobe Bryant or maybe even rub elbows with the guy? I never rubbed elbows with him. I mean, he was arguably, I mean, you can sit in him all day debating about kind of what Bum Phillips said about Earl, if he's not the best, and he would be in a conversation. And, and you know, it's just, just unbelievable how quick things change. And, yeah. and just like that, he's gone. Just, but what? a great player just a done unbelievable player yeah and probably reminds you of why you come back home and and do the things that you do exactly right yeah I have funny Kobe Bryant joke that I had with my family. He scored 61 points on the Dallas Mavericks one year, and I was actually living in Dallas at the time. So I sent my family a mass email that I'm going to resign and sign a one-year contract with the Dallas Mavericks because that's the quickest way to a million dollars. Just stand on the court and let Kobe Bryant score 61 points on you. <laughs> I don't think they were trying to let him do that. He could he could, he could, could score on anybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Coach, I think that's all we got, but really want to thank you for coming in and uh, appreciate you taking the time. And, yeah, y'all and come over come and watch the six-man game this Gotta year. Gotta do it. I've been wanting to do it. I watch them on TV or catch them on the internet whenever yeah. I can, but those things have really been entertaining. 
As the editor of the Trinity County paper, you play Apple Springs. I'll make it a point to come to your game against Apple Springs. Y'all can go back and look. The first time I was in the paper here, I won't say how old I was, but it was just a couple of days ago. It was old Van Thomas. That's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Coach, thank you again. Thanks a lot. Go Chiefs. 